You're listening to the Antos Podcast, where we explore the nature of stories in the pursuit of being in truth. I'm Vod. And I'm Mac. And our sentience depends on you. Now cue the intro music. In the end, my pride may have doomed us all. I had never received much attention from my brethren. They thought that my work and my interests were unsuitable to a world bringer. They couldn't see how my work, studying the nature instead of religion, benefited the people of the 14 lands. All right, so chapter 31. Dun, dun, dun. All right, chapter 31, we get a, a final, a final, final, final mm-hmm. point of view. So the merchant's point of view, essentially. And um, he doesn't see himself as a skull. In fact, he kind of resents the fact that he is a skull by by the rules, by the way society was laid out. He is a skull. But as he describes, when everything went into turmoil, when everyone, when the Lord Ruler was killed and the nobles overthrown, people needed things, and he could get those things. He had access to everything. And at that point, he got the power he believed he truly deserved. He wasn't Ska. He didn't want to see himself as Ska. In fact, it's kind of funny. He saw the merchants as their own class of people. You had the nobles and the Ska. And then you had the merchants. Well, uh, Fennel here, or Final. Mm -hmm. Which is it? Is it Final? Fennel, I think. Fennel. We're going to go with Fennel. Okay, sorry. We're going to go with Fennel here. So... Fennel convinced everyone, the merchants convinced everyone, to vote against Elend and call this vote to have him removed, essentially, no, the no-confidence clause. Um, that was the merchants doing. Specifically, Fennel seems to be leading the way on that one. And he he mentioned, which we keep seeing this with Penrod, he mentioned that Penrod was super-duper difficult to convince to vote against Elend. So it really does seem like Penrod does have a liking for Elend. I think we, we, we got that feeling a bit in mm-hmm. the past couple of chapters. But everyone thought that Finnell wanted to be king. And he was like, no, you know, there's no money in being king. You know, I don't I don't want that. I just want whoever is king to be in my pocket, essentially, is what he wants. And so he describes how he has someone in the crowd hidden and waiting on the assembly. And that this person or whatever, whoever this is, is going to be the thing that, that convinces everyone that Ellen does no longer deserves to be king. We get this kind of look where, you know, he he's mad. He's mad that he's seen as a weak. He's seen as weaker. He's mad that people see him and 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 just Scott in general as fools. When in reality, they are the ones who ran everything. Essentially, they made everything. What here's the thing he described himself. He didn't call them Scott. He says there's people who make things and the people who sell things and the people who make things are just a lower class. So, here we go. He sees Ellen come in, and Ellen now is in his white getup. He has Tindril by his side, and Fennel even points out, man, the terrace, the terrace stewards were, like, sought after as the perfect servants. You, you know, it showed that you had high status to have one serving you. And now that the, the, the ruler's overthrown, I don't see a terrace steward serving anyone. They, don't, they won't willingly do it. And yet, here Venture comes in, 
with two behind him, mm-hmm. willingly serving him. And he's in his white getup, and even Fennel's like, oh, crud. Like, he looks like a kink, you know? So then we, we scoot over to Ellen's point of view, and Ellen nomra- n- uh, nominates Lord Penrod as the chancellor because apparently there needs to be someone to run the meetings, and that's, and when the, when the king's called into question, that is the chancellor. So Penrod accepts, and they talk essentially about, you know, what's going to go on. And Penrod's like, you know, or, or Ellen's like, you know, I think Penrod could, could make a pretty good king. Um, but no, I, I need to be king. And yeah, they were like, all right, let's get this meeting started. Ellen, what do you have to say? And Ellen's like, stands up and goes, so let's talk about what I did with Straff and how I essentially threatened him and bullied him and saved everyone's butts. And everyone's like, oh, we're just, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a second then. And he explains why Straff isn't going to attack. And after that's all said and done, the whole assembly is like, you going to defend yourself? And he's like, my actions will. That's it. I'm not going to say a word. Y'all already made up. Y'all, y'all already put it into vote. All I can do now essentially is show y'all that I'm the right person for the job. And that's Ellen's plan going forward at this point. We shoot over to... It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it works out for him. <laughs> that, that's true. That's true. But the big thing he explains, right, is that, you know, they have something. They have Vin, you know, and Vin hates this, but Ellen really pours into it, right? Which is the idea of we're here because of the survivor, and that is the survivor's apprentice and heir, and she's on our side. We're going to win. And that's essentially what they're leaning into. We skip over to a Vin point of view, and Vin hates being used. She hates being the tool. She hates being the knife. The more she exists, the more Zane's words make sense you know dang i hate i hate when the bad guys make sense right but the more that they make sense at least to her and she's annoyed because she's starting to feel like she might actually be the hero of ages she actually says it in her mind and here i was thinking that i might be the hero of ages and she's talking about how the pulsing is growing louder and louder you know the pulsing that she's hearing now the pulsing that's been described in the the first the epigraphs of the first book essentially what what uh, Alindi, we now know Alindi heard on his on his journey to become the hero. But one thing she notices is that Zane is in the audience, and that's not a good sign, I guess. Like uh, mm. he's out here watching, and she's pointing out that Ellen's refusing to get his job back and wants to let his actions speak out for him. And they go, "Let's get to the nominations," and you know. I want to say that a, yeah, a Ska nominates Lord Penrod as the leader, or as the as a nominee for the king. Penrod nominates Ellen. Then we learn that this is a very brilliant political move on Ellen's part. He nominated him for chancellor because he knew how Penrod is, how he needs to keep up his, his appearances as a noble man, that Penrod would nominate him and he wouldn't have to nominate himself. And since the Ska nominated Penrod... It would lend legitimacy to Ellen himself as being a good nominee because Penrod did it. So great move there. But we get the the curveball here, which is Fennel stands up and, uh, and everyone's like, you're just going to nominate yourself. And he goes, nope, I nominate King Set. And Set stands up in the middle of the crowd. The invading king <laughs> steps up in the middle of the crowd. Doesn't step up. My I was going to say, I don't think he does. <laughs> 
Remo- sh- removes hood menacingly. Indeed. <laughs> and that's the end of chapter 31. Because in 32, we find out he is a cripple. Yeah, I mean, let's get right into it then. Like, Yeah, in 32, we figure out the set's a cripple. And Vin's not buying that. You know, we'll go off a little bit of attention. Vin's not mm. buying that. And Breeze is like, oh dear, no, Vin, that is Lord Set. And yes, Lord Set is very much a cripple. You know, he, it was some disease that got him as a child, I believe, when he was, yeah, he was young. But Set walked in and he was gambling. And that's the thing. Set's the most powerful nobleman in his area, at least. He is very straight and to the point. Um, I think I I love this interaction. Okay, so here's the thing. Set as a character is so good. Because he sits in and walks in and he goes, basically straight up calls them out and goes, you're going to make me king because I'll make a better king. And and he says something along the lines and, and Ellen's like, is that a threat? You're nothing but a tyrant. And he goes, you're right. I'm a tyrant. I'm a tyrant with 40,000 soldiers knocking on your doorstep. Yeah, he just, he, <laughs> he just dances around Ellen saying, he's like, you're just bribing everyone. Um, Yeah, that's what I'm supposed yeah, to do. Yeah, I am just bribing someone. Bri- bribing someone is, is, is the same thing as taking a promise and just inverting it on its head. And so I think he said something along those lines. Bribes for everyone. Bribes with peace. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like Ellen just goes, or I think it was, I don't can't remember if it was Ellen or one of the noblemen, but they were, I think it was Penrod. What do you do if we just take you hostage? He just goes, well, my, my, my army has orders to attack the city. He goes, but that's as good as handing over to Straff. And, and Seth goes, I don't care. I'll be dead. I <laughs> and so care. will you. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, my, my army may lose, but I'll be dead. And so will you. Yeah. So like, yeah, he's big time gambling here. And, you know, man, he plays Ellen perfectly. He calls him out and goes, you talk about being an honorable and honest man. Are your alamancers over there soothing people? And Ellen says yes. And he goes, oh, he goes, well, at least you know with me that I'm going to be blunt to your face, that I'm going to call you out and be in your face. I don't have anyone, you know, playing the strings in the back. I'm going to say exactly how it is, you know. Um, and that's another thing he goes, he goes, Ellen, uh, you, you're so honest. You admitted that. Have you ever, have you ever thought that you wouldn't be a good King? And Ellen once again says, well, every person has that. And Seth goes, not me. I know I'm the best person for the job. In fact, I will do whatever it takes to find that power and keep it. And if that includes killing all of you or doesn't, depending on how y'all react, I don't care what it is. I'm going to get power and I'm going to hold on to it because I'm the best for the job. And basically, you're seeing everything like that Tyndall has been trying to teach him coming out of set. Almost word for word what she's been telling him. You're seeing it in set in this one moment. And it makes it, it makes a lot of sense. How does a cripple become king without having like that sort of authority, you know, become a leader, essentially? But yeah, so set offers to bribe, but set does something even ballsier, I think. He goes... I want to move into the city and I want to meet with all of you over dinner and discuss what these are. And that's when Ellen calls out bribes and he goes, exactly. I'll be bribing everyone here, you know, including the people. Yeah. Including the people, including everyone, including you, Ellen Venture, you know, Mm -hmm. but they agreed to let him move in to one of the keeps with a thousand soldiers, essentially. And he sets up and basically says, we're going to do this. And, so yeah, that's that. And Penrod or Ellen is left pretty speechless and goes to Penrod and goes, "What are we gonna do?" And Penrod goes, 
Well, from the looks of it, looks like we're going to turn this thing over to Set. <laughs> That's what it looks like we're going to do. He's going to give us a way better deal than Straff ever could, you know? And we have that moment again where Ellen or Penrod just goes, Ellen, I really like you. Like, there's nothing wrong here. I actually like like everything you're doing, but you're an idealist, and that's just not how this works. And our best bets are with Set. And yeah, so it ends with uh, Set's own son coming over and extending an invitation to Ellen about dinner. And Ellen's so confused, and, and he's like, well, Set needs to meet with everyone, including you, because, you know, despite you most likely losing, he has a bribe just for you, too. So I gotta say that um, I forgot how much I like Set as a character. You know, in contrast to Straff, like, Set's clearly a, a powerful guy. Um, you know, comes in with a nice army that, I mean, a, a very formidable army. And we knew how powerful Straff was. Just, you know, the Ventures were the highest power, yada, yada, yada. But Set's already rivaling him. And he comes in and he basically, he seems like he's going to be, you know, this wad, you know, very similar to Straff, but he's like, nope, you know, I'm just very direct. I am telling you to your face, this is who I am. This is how I am. And this is how it's going to be. And, um, yeah, you don't even have to guess. Like, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm not going to have any pleasantries. I'm not going to sit here and be polite about it. Like, I'm here to take power and that's it. I love peace. I love yeah. peace so much that I don't care how many men, women, and children I have to kill to get it. Yes. <laughs> Yes. And so, I mean, it's, um, it's really kind of refreshing and it's funny because, uh, I remember also, I think in this chapter specifically, um, the Luthadel, the, the, the nobles of Luthadel were all like, ah, oh, those Western nobles or whatever, but he's also like, he gets really snooty with them later on. We're actually going to hear like what his thoughts are on like the central nobles. Um, but it's just, I don't know. It's a it's kind of a change of pace, you know, for for us to have an antagonist that's just very in your face about it. Um, and, I, you know, again, it's kind of hard to disagree with anything he says. He's like, am I bribing people? Yeah. But I'm also like bribing the people with peace, yeah. you know? Exactly. You know what else is hard to disagree with, though? Our viewers, our, our listeners, <laughs> and how they have been following us and giving us some great support and how... We want to thank y'all so much for doing that. And please share us, you know, give us a, give us a shout out, send people our way. You know, I think it'd be really awesome. We're very thankful for what we've gotten already. Thank you so much. We appreciate y'all. Um, but I mean, this is a, this is a guy, I mean, the land, the landscape's going to definitely change. I'm going to be, it's going to be super interesting to see him and Ellen because he's already basically like, Hey, you're a good guy. And I'm going to take every advantage of that. This is like the guy you would see on like Game of Thrones who would just like dance around the other person who like doesn't want to, you know, they're like, I can't, I don't, I don't get that low. And they're like, well, I'm here to win, you know? Yeah. He kind of reminded me of with the Game of Thrones reference here, games, you know, spoilers, mm -hmm. but like, come on guys. Um, um, he kind of reminded me of like a direct, uh, Walder Frey. Sure. I I'd say direct because we all know how yeah. that guy is in that. Yeah. And so that doesn't really fit set very well, but, and there's some mannerism, the way he's direct with people and talks felt very similar. Um, but yeah, so here we go with these two chapters, right? We have in the, in chapter 31, you know, one second. Oh, there we go. In chapter 31, we figure out essentially who's organized this Legal coup, coup yeah. essentially, kind of, uh, which is the merchant class behind Fennel. 
Um, because it seems to me from what we've been saying that Penrod has the support of the noble class, right? He's, he is a noble. He, um, he, he, he feels like, he feels like they look to him at least. Um, so yes. if that's the case, Fennel seems to have control of the merchant class. And so, you know, by the law of three here, Ellen should have control of the Skog class, and he definitely doesn't. <laughs> he definitely doesn't. Uh, and the thing about Well of Ascension is that I forgot how much it just starts ratcheting up the tension. And I remember, okay, I remember literally hate hating this book, but like hate loving, you know, like this bad relationship uh-huh. where I, every time I went, it's not going to get worse. Oh, God, it got worse. And and so like part, you know, the last part we ended with they're coming to take, you know, Ellen's throne. And then like he would get ratcheted again, boom, sets in here and he's making some really good arguments for it. Yeah. And I mean, it just keeps getting more and more cranked up. Yeah, like you said. Like you said, straff set coloss <laughs> sets in the city <laughs> and he revealed the coloss to people when they didn't realize they were yeah. there and he he revealed that ellen had been hiding it essentially and again it's all just really really good optics moves because like um you know ellen is calling him out as like you're not me and he's like that's exactly right exactly why i should be king because <laughs> i am not you yeah yeah that that was so here's the thing. Set seems super brash, right? He's he's unkept in in the way he dresses. He has a big long beard that that you know. It's said that he couldn't have just grown that on the way here. It's he, he has his own fashion because no one challenges him. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And when you see that, and you see how the other noblemen look down on him, it's almost like that idea, right? Of like, uh, of um, you know, country country bumpkin noble versus sophisticated noble and that's the way they're looking at set before all i saw is set is a force to be you know to be reckoned with like this is that was an expert political expert um uh political plan that played out that he played ellen like a fiddle and the worst part about it is he used all of ellen's strengths uh, as everyone keeps trying to point him out to be as why he's the worst fit for the job and um Vin, you know, she she suspects him to be a misborn because, you know, how could he come in here? But she makes a really, really good point. The This is not a move made by someone who is sure of themselves. And she points out, like, like he comes in, he just, like, wipes the floor with Ellen. But she's like, him coming in like this is a is a risk. It's a gamble. Yeah. I mean, he came in, we could they, he could have gotten killed. He could have gotten taken. Um, you know, or it could have just completely backfired on him. Um, and this is not the kind of move you do with someone who knows that they're in a really good position to take everything. He's there to try to save himself, essentially. So for all the posturing that we get, all the, you know, the stuff that he says, it's a good point. Like logically, you know, Straff wouldn't walk in and do something similar. Um, well, because, you know, He's not crazy, but also um, Straff is probably not nearly not not really that desperate at all. Um, Set, as far as we know, we don't know anything about his situation. Um, but this is, I wouldn't say an, a move, an act of desperation. Um, but it's like Vin said, 
it's not something that you do if you're sure you're going to win everything. Go into surrounded by enemies, you know, like like Ellen when he went to go talk with Straff. Like he did that on desperation. Yeah, it was a desperation. If play. if if Straff was just knocking on the door with like a group of five hundred men, he'd be like he wouldn't even give him the time of day. So it's actually like a really like good point. Like this is very similar to what Ellen did to Straff, and it was again a move out of desperation, essentially from someone who isn't quite sure that they're going to come out on top. That's interesting with that's how that's played out. You know, maybe here in a little bit, we might be seeing like a, a desperation move from Straff himself, right? Cause we have a Koloss army approaching. That's pretty scary. Yeah. And the Koloss are definitely going to be a problem that is going to be coming up in the next few chapters. But in the next chapter, we're going to be learning a lot more about the Chandra and Vin's going to get a good idea of who she thinks the spy is. Hey everyone, Vod here. Please rate our podcast and follow us for regular episodes Monday through Friday. If you enjoy listening, consider subscribing. We are a very small project, so please support us with likes and comments. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ontos. That's patreon.com slash O-N-T-O-S. Thanks again, and remember, our sentience depends on you.